Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And a very good Monday morning to you and a Monday morning where there's a lovely blue sky where I am and I hope there's a blue sky where you are too. It really looks like it's going to be a lovely, lovely day today. Enjoy because the forecast for the rest of the week is really a mixed bag. Uh, there's going to be some sunny spells during the week but there's going to be rain as well and hopefully you enjoyed a lovely weekend because there was I think everywhere uh, people got various degrees and level of uh, sunshine and there was heat in the sun and it almost felt like you were on holidays if you were lucky enough to be by the beach and I spent a, just a glorious weekend in uh, in Chidani and it was just beautiful when we arrived on Friday we I was on the beach and there was that lovely sort of sunshine at about five, you know half four or five o'clock it just really was lovely and it was just it felt like that Sun on my bones. It was it was great. Bit of a sea mist though came in on Saturday, but that cleared. And then yesterday was absolutely glorious uh, down there and met a number of our listeners, which was terrific because there was a wedding. There was a Mallow Lascarol wedding there on. Saturday and I met some of the people who were attending and they all seemed to be having a wonderful time at the uh, Inchidani Lodge and Spa so hi to everybody that I met it was a, a lovely lovely weekend uh, and hopefully whatever you were doing you had a nice weekend as well now John Paul has taken your calls in 1850 333103 anything you want to share with us you can text or WhatsApp as well to 0862103103 and actually talking about sharing on uh, with text or WhatsApp I got an email in today from Jack to say, Hi Patricia, would you just warn your listeners not respond, not to respond to calls from phone numbers whose area code is 00151. I googled the number and it's a scam. So says Jack in Charleville who obviously received that call at the weekend. So be careful of that, 00151. And then at the weekend, I received a text message that came from what looked like an Irish number because it was plus 353 and it was a mobile number starting with 84 and then the number was 475588. And it says, you've received one new photo message and it asked me to click on a link and it was a link to Google Photo. Uh, message from Google. Now I looked at it and said well that number is not in because it came up as a number so it's not in my contact list don't know who this person is and then I was checking 084 is 084 a mobile number? No it's not. Actually usually any messages starting with 84 can be a premium line but this was a text message anyway we did a bit of research online and uh, it turns out it is a scam by clicking on the link is where the scam begins. So I left it on my phone and now this minute I am deleting it straight away from the conversation so it is gone to make sure that I don't hit it by a mistake. So just be careful. There are a number of scams out there. We are going to be talking later on about the latest text scam that 
looks like it's coming from a bank. Certainly across last week, the one looked like it was coming from Bank of Ireland. It could be permanent TSB this week. They, you know, it could be Allard Irish Bank. They'll pick any bank and they really make it look like it genuinely is. Your bank is trying to contact you and it's not. It's a scam. So we'll speak with the experts on the programme today to give you advice on that because we don't want anybody parting with their hard-earned cash. That is for sure. And I've already had a text in about beef farmers. I was... I was expecting that and we'll probably get some more commentary this morning. Uh, Listener says, Patricia, I hear that the beef farmers are back protesting again as a last resort. Farming is a dicey business. It wasn't long ago dairying was the way to go, but now the price of milk paid to farmers has dropped for the third month in a row. And Jim Wolfe of Dairy Gold saying oversupply is to blame. So you see, it didn't take long to give them enough milk. It's all about supply and demand. A shortage of a product will put the price up straight away. And didn't we all see that last year with the fodder crisis when it drove the price through the roof? So farming is a dodgy, dicey business. Uh, dicey is probably, the, the, dodgy is the wrong word. Dicey is the word that's been used, is what this listener is saying. And the beef plan movement have rejected the deal that was hammered out between the farmers and the industry representatives and the Minister for Agriculture, Michael Creed, even getting invo- involved in those discussions last week. The beef plan movement says it doesn't go far enough to deal with real pricing control measures the factories and the the retailers put on farmers. The agreement reached last week had dealt with some key issues so other farmers had expressed their disappointment that pricing wasn't addressed and when I was reading the agreement and what had come out of the discussions I was scanning through it straight away to see what had been agreed on pricing because I knew for the beef plan movement that really was their top line. They wanted some Something done on pricing and it simply wasn't addressed in the agreement. Now proceeds protests are set to take place today at some meat plants in relation to the issue. However the beef plan movement is not endorsing these demonstrations and I'm assuming that's to do with the fact that at the end of the last protests the organisers of the beef plan movement, the guy sitting at the top table they were all issued with court proceedings and they were threatened with all kinds of legal action and I imagine that has made them quite fearful and for that reason they're not certainly at the moment endorsing any of the demonstrations. We've done a quick ring around to see from what we can gather there's no protests here in Cork today. We're led to believe there could be some protests tomorrow and if there are we will keep you updated on that. But it, uh, it doesn't come as any surprise to me to hear that the Beef Plan movement have rejected uh, the deal. Your thoughts and comments uh, welcomed on that, by the way, throughout the morning. John Paul's taking your calls, 1850-333-103. Also coming up on the programme this morning, we're hearing about antisocial behaviour in the very pretty little village of uh, Killa in East Cork. And this was a kind of a shocking Facebook post that went up on the Killa Inch Community Council page over the weekend, just showing the fear that's out there by some people because of this antisocial behaviour, including an alleged incident of a pregnant woman who was shouted at and somebody shouted, a young fella shouted at her that he'd cut the baby out of her. Now, for any pregnant woman to have to even listen to that. And it's just intimidating if you're out for a walk with your children or if you may be going for a jog, doing a little bit of exercise and you have young 
hooligans deciding that Ash, it's a fun thing. Let's throw a bit of verbal abuse at these people. And it can be really, really quite frightening. So we're going to be talking about it on the programme uh, this morning. It's coming. This particular story is coming from the Killer Inch area. But that's not to say that this isn't happening anywhere else, because I know and this is. On, just stay on antisocial behaviour because littering is antisocial behaviour let's be honest and John Paul said he's had a f- couple of calls in this morning to say that there were bags of rubbish left at the wall at the New Kilcrumper Cemetery in Fomoy now the New Kilcrumper Cemetery in Fomoy just outside that cemetery is where the family from the travelling community are, are actually living remember they were living in a housing estate and they were forced to move from the housing estate and they did move their mobile home from the housing estate but they moved it out to New Kilcrumper Cemetery that story hasn't gone away by the way that's still an ongoing issue but now there's cause of bags of rubbish I don't know if it's got anything to do with the travelling family that are outside Kilcrumper Cemetery or if it's other people now deciding actually we might as well dump rubbish here if there's an illegal encampment of travellers why not turn it into a a dump at the same time which is absolutely shocking and disrespectful because it's outside uh, a cemetery who in God's name is involved in that so we're looking for your thoughts and comments on that as well this morning please the HSC are to cut training grants to people with disabilities let's do some research on this at the weekend. It isn't a huge sum of money that the HSE are going to save and it's kind of one of those ones that you think it isn't even a lot of money that's paid to the people with a disability to do their training. It's 30 odd euro a, a week but it can be the difference between that young person going to the training course or not. So we're going to talk about how, what impact it's going to have on students with a disability who would have been expecting to get this small allowance uh, every week. Wind turbine companies writing to landowners in the north and the mid-Cork area looking to lease land. Local people are concerned and we got some calls in on Friday from listeners asking us if we could look into this to see if it's true are, you know, what kind of offers are on the table to local landowners? Will they be made offers that are too good to reject and therefore they'll go ahead with wind turbines and wind farms? Nobody wants to live near a wind farm. That's the problem. Even though the government will say we have to do something about renewable energy, there's targets been set for and dates put in place as to how much of our electricity will be generated by renewable energy. In order to do that, we've got to look at things like solar power, but we also have to look at wind turbines and wind farms. We live in a windy country. You assume that wind turbines uh, is the way to go. But as I say, nobody wants to live in an area that's surrounded by wind farms. I can never understand because this lovely island on which we live, why can't we do it offshore? We live in an island, so we have loads of seas around us and there are these what are they they're called floating wind farms I I can't understand why we're not heavily investing in that you're not going to upset anyone if it's out at sea that we're generating the electricity through the wind because I you know I can understand I am absolutely can see why we need to go down the renewable route I can absolutely understand why we need to protect our, our environment and our, this wonderful earth in which we live and we have to do something about it. But I also, on the other side, can understand people who have lived in an area for many, many years, 
built homes, raised their families and suddenly now they're confronted with this. They go out their front door, their back door and all they're seeing are wind turbines and nobody wants to live in the shadow of a wind turbine and therefore your house then really becomes valueless because nobody is going to want to buy it from you. So I can I can see it from all sides. So we're going to find out what is going on in the mid the North Cork and Mid Cork area and what kind of feelers are being put out to landowners. And I wonder will, if there's any landowner listening, if you did get a letter, are you considering it? What kind of an offer has been made to you? And is it something you would consider leasing out your land and turning it into a wind uh, farm? I mean, it's interesting when we're you know, having one listener saying that farming is a dicey business. If farmers are struggling and if we know that the beef farmers are struggling, if they get an offer from a company, you know, giving them a good earning over the next number of years while their land is being leased out, you can almost understand why a farmer would say, well, to hell with this, I can't make money out of beef or dairy or whatever kind of farming they're in. And here's a way for me to make money. You can understand why the farmer, the landowner, might take up the offer and while he will be aware his neighbours and the community might be upset by it but you could almost see why a farmer or a landowner might decide to take the hand and all off the wind turbine company that's making them a good offer. It's Monday so Annalise Dressel will join us Annalise will be offering advice. We're going to be talking about wind turbines and wind farms and the possibility of more wind farms in the North Cork and Mid Cork uh, areas. We'll be doing that after 11 today. But Dan says, Patricia, please let the public know that our government subsidised to the tune of 1.2 billion euro per year to the wind energy developers. This is scandal, scandalous and it proves that wind turbines don't pay for themselves. And the only reason that they exist and make a profit, they must depend on all of these subsidies, says uh, Dan. And obviously a man in the know, that sounds like a lot of money on subsidies, 1.2 billion per uh, year. And the dumping outside the new Kilcrumper Cemetery and I was and this is where there as a travelling family have been living there now for God well over a year is it at this stage if, if not more when they were moved out of the housing estate in Formoy and uh, that they're still living there they still haven't been uh, moved on and I was wondering is it somebody dumping rubbish because they're seeing an illegal encampment and thinking I must well leave my rubbish there uh, as well but a texter has come back to say Patricia the rubbish outside the graveyard in Formoy belongs to the travellers according to this texter I was there yesterday it's a disgrace there are two skip bags outside the caravan the smell is unbelievable and yesterday was such a warm day you know when it's anyway warm at all and if there's rubbish rotting the smell will get worse anyway this is said I actually came away from the cemetery very upset no respect for the dead they must be turning in their graves where are the court orders to get them out of there okay we're going to need to look into that a little bit more because that's further information that I didn't realise at the time let us see we'll get on to the council and just see what's going on if nothing else that rubbish has got to be removed I mean if it's in skip bags do I take it the family living in the mobile home that they're using the skip bags as kind of like their rubbish bins and then they pay for the skip bags to be removed is that what's happening and it's just that they need to be it needs to be emptied particularly if it's starting to smell 
we'll get on to the council and we'll see if we can get an update on that uh, throughout the morning but thank you uh, to the listener for that 1850 and a listener looking for help and it's always great if we can give a bit of a helping hand and this is kind of parenting advice Hi Patricia lovely morning it is indeed would any of your listeners have any advice please for a two year old who absolutely hates having her hair washed she gets so very upset she knows the minute she sees her mom coming with the towel and that's when it all begins her mother's tried everything including trying to shower her to see if that would help but all no good any advice please oh and I can imagine the screams and the upset as soon as the towel comes out and it's time to get the hair washed and I imagine Mammy is washing the hair as few times a week as is possible so as not to have to put up with that. Now there will be many people listening who will have been through that before when they're little ones who now maybe are big ones and are well over it. Can Any advice? How do you get a two-year-old who just for whatever some children take to bathing and showering and having their hair washed and there's no problem at all and then there are others and for whatever reason it's like you are inflicting the worst punishment in the world on them when you go to wash their hair. So anyone who's got a tip please that worked for you with your smallies let us know 1850 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Laura Gelga RC 103 Green Gerardo School Rugby Rugby Dimmer she hain kids daughter the hain clay he tossed all at. Hain kids the truck a tree let air hair at. For all say daughter the she u dare and sibling govula sahin. Talk her your accent, she not shun ego driscoll as on feha she u de toss girl tiger. Scroll she truck a ood the current heineken on May this mo a score fair air not real. Her neoco driscoll my immor and tournament a grave mortis a she not shun a govula sa she govula sa shock agus govula sa name. Turkish Docky Holland and Lake Rugby and Down Air and Shock Law Day the Sound Govila Sahinde. Being Cleha Dernock Igmortis Machine Oshun, Igovila Sakarde, and Cleha Dernock a Dimmer Shay Lesson Vern Oshimta. Both soldiers school Ashdor Nahir and Amy Huberman, Amy Ul Govila Sade, August Tolana Vamanaka, Inin Dorvanam Sadi. The Blora Grail got Grail Closter Dovey, Davis College, is Misha Abbey Bernock. Last week, Killer Inch Community Council shared a Facebook post worrying about antisocial behaviour in the village and especially around Killer Woods with the post saying it's gone out of control. Uh, Local councillor Susan McCarthy uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Susan. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and, and you're welcome. What are you hearing is going on? So, yeah, look, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't hear about it over the weekend because I was doing Relay for Life. So um, I, I just kind of, when I saw it on the um, Facebook page, I just rang a few people. Now, it appears that the Inch Community Council weren't aware of it themselves. It was somebody posted and um, then, then I suppose whoever is managing the page for them shared it. But the, the PRO hadn't been aware of it. But, yeah, there was an incident on Friday where... Um, I think it was a 14-year-old boy was was removed and brought to to the care of his parents because he was he was drunk and there were a group of them there. He was the one I don't know. He was removed. I don't have the full details on it, Patricia, but um, the antisocial behaviour element of it 
wasn't fully reported to the Gardaí. We didn't realise, I, I, like certainly they didn't realise when I spoke to them this morning, how serious it was, you know, that the, the abuse that was hurled at people and that there were kind of bottles being thrown in that. So I think we need people to come forward on that, at, at, first of all, you know, to get the full measure of, of what exactly happened, you know. And is it just young guys... From yeah. if I, I mean, I'm I'm reading. I'm on their Facebook page, and and I'm reading it. And to me, it looks like it's young guys just intimidating people. You know, bored, nothing to do, hanging out. But it's very intimidating. Extremely intimidating, and that can't go on. It's just it's it's very disappointing to hear it. Now, look at I suppose on the other side of that, Patricia, there is always you know, unfortunately, you know, young kids, you know, drinking alcohol in kind of places like the woods and, the, you know, the local graveyards and that, that does happen. And especially in the summertime when you have longer evenings and, you know, they're off school and, you know, they don't have the structure of whatever clubs they're involved in maybe as much. Do you know what I mean? Like the Guardi do deal with more of these incidents anyway, uh, you know, kind of in the summertime. So, I, you know, hopefully it will be curtailed as time goes on. But, like, I, when I did, when I read about it, I was quite shocked, you know, at, at the, the level of abuse for young boys of that age, like for young teenagers, um, you know, it, it is it is quite shocking. Uh, and as I said, look, I spoke to them in, in both Middleton Garda Station and Yaw Garda Station this morning. Uh, and as I said, they weren't aware of, of, of the level of it. You know, they were actually the yeah. reason that they... they well, you see, I, I, it probably people are, are just not complaining about it. I mean, that's the issue. They're not uh, highlighting I it. Yeah, I mean, I, I was looking at, um, I mean, one of the mothers was saying she was at the playground one day last week and there was three lads, mixed ages, but they seemed to be like 14, 15, 16 year olds, that kind of general age group. And they were ill-mannered, imp- inappropriate language and they were all smoking. And I mean, if you've got somebody shouting and roaring and effing and blinding and you've got your small kids at the playground, you end up having to leave the playground with your small children. Which isn't right, and it's you know, I mean that that's it's not acceptable behaviour, you know. Um, it it needs to be nipped in the bud. It's like, do you know what? I'm a, I'm a mum myself. My kids are a little bit older, so they don't come walking with me as much as they used yeah. to. But I do walk my dog, you know. Um, and like we kind of have, you know, we have it in in, in Middleton. We have a lovely little park just off the baby's walk that leads into the in, into Middleton Lodge, and you know there there be you know kids hanging out there as well. And it can be quite intimidating sometimes. That said, you know, look, I, I you know, I, I feel that, you know, for the, the amount of times that I've been through that woods, you know, the amount of evenings this year, this summer, there's been kids there a lot. They haven't been, they are drinking, but they haven't been, they haven't interacted or been rude or whatever. But it is extremely intimidating sometimes, you know, and, mm. you know, it's the rubbish they leave behind as well is another issue. What really shocks me about this is that, you know, it's killer at the small village and, you know, that there were that there was that level of abuse hurled at people. I really am quite surprised and I hope it was an isolated incident. I really do. I really the, do the pregnant, the, I mean, the one that's, I think, upsetting for everybody is the heavily pregnant woman pregnant and somebody. Woman. Sh- now, they, they didn't, you know, they weren't in any way going to do it. But the very fact that um, a male youth shouted, will cut the baby out of you. I mean, just to a heavily pregnant woman, that is really upsetting to hear. It's horrible. It's extremely threatening language. And we, you know, I mean, you know, I've, I've been through pregnancies and we know how vulnerable you can feel at, at that time. You know, it's it's just just. So it, it is, it's, it's very, very shocking language, really, for a 14 or 15 year old 
boy to be using and to actually kind of feel that he's he's in a position where he can. Unfortunately, it's, you know, using alcohol at that age and not being able to handle it. There is a question mark around, like, you know, what state do they go home to their parents? Yeah. Yeah. You know, where, where are, are the parents? parents? I mean, all of these young people are living at home. None of these are yeah. out working. They're all at home. I mean, where's mommy and daddy? And do, do, you know, that's a big part as well. Like, I mean, I, I have spoken to them, as I said, in both guard stations this morning, and he said, "Look, we're going to just patrol that area, seeing as you've kind of given us this level of detail." They weren't aware that it was, you know. So, I mean, it is something. I think for the mums that were involved. You know, and 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 that poor pregnant lady. You know, if they if they can make reports, you know, so that that this can be followed up, because the guardie, you know, if they're kind of working in a vacuum, if they don't know what what's what the, the level of what's going on. I mean, I'm 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 so taken aback by it. I really am. I'm I'm really shocked by it. You know, um, because even though we know that they do do it, and the guardie are kind of involved in having to move them on and kind of sort them out from time to time, that level of 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 I suppose abusive behaviour is just has to stop you know, from that age group yeah I'm, I yeah, am it's just really like a lot of people are saying where is respect right. you know respect has yeah. just gone out the door I was at the play park the amount of rubbish and the amount of cans that were left uh, behind and to see small children picking them up because small children don't know uh, any better it really is a shameful if they're going to do their drinking would they at least bring yeah. their cans home but they're not going to do that I mean if they're up I, there drinking the parents don't know they're drinking they're hardly going to walk back in with the six empty cans yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it. You know, like, what are their? I, I can't help but wonder, like, what are the, how, how are the parents receiving them when they go home in this state and whatever? Um, I think kind of education around alcohol abuse. You know, I know that they're doing it in schools, but I think it really starts at home as well. Do you know what I mean? I think you know the the parents are the ones that are there over the summer anyway. You know, they like I just can't understand how you could how you could have your child coming home and not be asking questions and not be saying, right, I need to monitor. Their, their movements more carefully and whatever. Um, you know, I, I do hope, Patricia, that that level of, of, of nastiness and aggression, I hope that that was an isolated incident yeah. because, you know, Kill is a lovely village yeah. and they do have lovely facilities. You know, and, and great people living there and there were great young people living there. This is a very small minority. Yeah, I would imagine so. I would imagine so. And unfortunately, you know, what um, what the sergeant said to me this morning was, you know, it isn't, unfortunately, you know, it's not just killer. It is kind of something that is repeated in towns and villages across the, the, the county. But we do need to, I think we need to kind of, you know, kind of alert parents to, you know, that this is happening and that they do have to kind of maybe monitor their children a little bit more closely sometimes as well. You know, um, I suppose, that incident, apparently, the, the, where, where the Gardaí were involved on Friday, it was afternoon. It was only half past four in the evening, you know, so it wasn't actually, it wasn't even later. It was, it was kind of afternoon. It was daytime, really, I suppose. Um, OK, somebody else is saying, here we go again, bashing young people. And that's unfair. We're not bashing young people. But no, anyway, no, the text no, says, not, text says said, what do you expect young people to do? You don't provide facilities for them. No, no, I'll, I'll just correct that that listener because I, I very much was saying, you know, it's it's, it's the parents' responsibility to check on their, their children. And I also mentioned that, like, you know, certainly in Middleton, I've seen them kind of hanging around and they are never, I have never had that, that I've never come across that abuse. I think this is very much an isolated incident and I was trying to make that very clear that, you know, most young people, they're going to congregation somewhere and most of them are perfectly well behaved. And that's why I was saying, that's why I made my point because I think it's very important that we don't always focus on the negative. 
you know, because, mm. and that's why I said it's an isolated incident, you know. I don't think our, I think, you know, our young people really, you know, for the most part are, you know, most of them are very, very well behaved. We are going to get incidents like this, unfortunately, though, and I'm not blaming the children. I'm blaming, blaming you know, I'm saying that maybe the adults need to kind of be constructive and be proactive in watching out for their young kids. They're impressionable at that age, Patricia. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they are going back to school and it'll it'll probably all die away again. But uh, but then are we back at the next bit of a break, the midterm break, the Halloween break? Will will it kick off uh, again? It's uh, it's but and and it isn't. Can I say it isn't just something that's happening in killer woods uh, and in the village. I imagine I could open the phone lines and I could get stories from all across the city and county where, you know, you'll get this pockets of this antisocial behaviour, which is unfortunate. All right, Susan, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Not at all, Patricia. And thanks for joining us. Uh, Good morning to you. That is local uh, Fine Gael councillor Susan McCarthy in uh, East uh, Cork. Mike and Banshee says, Hi Trish, that comment that that young man made to the pregnant woman was unforgivable. That poor woman must have been petrified. Yeah, you know, as Susan said, you can feel vulnerable enough when you're pregnant, especially when you're heavily pregnant so it was a nasty nasty thing to say we'll cut the baby out of you God almighty what kind of a mentality did that guy have and then Mary Amala said on Saturday evening there was a group of students going to their Debs in Mallow they were leaving from the Church of the Resurrection there's a car park there and that's generally speaking where they all meet up and the buses then will take them off to uh, their Debs but Mary says when the bus left the footpath was aligned with cans and plastic bottles they obviously weren't allowed to take drink onto the bus so they left them on the side of the footpath they were still there yesterday I'm not blaming the bus driver says Mary but they need to make arrangements so stuff isn't rubbish stuff isn't left like that a lot of people would use uh, the church so anyone could could slip or fall uh, going in and if it was on Saturday they would have been uh, was, the, was there a vigil mass on at that church so certainly would have been all at the masses uh, yesterday are they still can anybody tell us are they still there or have they been picked up at this stage and if they were picked up who went out and collected the drink bottles and plastic bottles that were left behind after the young Debs before they headed off on, on their buses and uh, to have a great night out don't you know but they, they left their rubbish behind them because they obviously weren't allowed to bring the drink onto the bus does anybody know if anybody is around that area out, Mary says it was outside the Church of the Resurrection so I'm assuming it was the Church of the Resurrection car park was it that they used it was from there that they went can anybody tell us uh, is there still cans and plastic bottles and drink bottles still left there and if not when they were collected who actually did the tidying up and some of your thoughts coming in on the antisocial behaviour being reported in Killa uh, particularly by the woods and the playground uh, as somebody said I've seen them in the, in the playground and it does drive me mad to see them because they can be quite intimidating but they want to stop and think about it they're not really to blame where else can they go there isn't much for young people to do in the east Cork area. Somebody else says shame on the teenagers that were involved in that antisocial behaviour and killer over the weekend. They think they're big men. What a shame, says Mike. And if actually reading on the Facebook post that they put up on Killer Inch Community Council, some people confront them and sort of said, come on, lads, you know, move on, move away, whatever. And usually if they are confronted by adults, they'll run on their legged. So they're not that really big, brave boys and girls. But it's just, it can be intimidating when, they, when they're in a group and there's one person on their own. 1850-333-103. Now, students with disabilities were shocked and anger and angered to hear that the HSC has decided 
decided to axe a €31.80 training allowance. To discuss the impact of the ending of this allowance will have on students, I'm joined by Patrick Gerard Murphy of the National Learning Network in Bantry. Good morning to you, Patrick. Good morning. And, How and, are you? Uh, very well and good to have you along. I suppose, no explain firstly what the training allowance is and how many people are entitled to it. Okay, so we, I suppose nationally there's about um, a, a large number of training places nationally, but in West Cork we have 28 places, um, 14 in Bantry and 14 in Clannacilty. Um And people who go on our rehabilitative training programme get a top-up of 3180 on top of their uh, social welfare allowance. And um, they, it, it, I suppose it adds to, the, it adds to their uh, ability to participate in the training um, for lunches or for transport or whatever might additional costs might be expended um, being on the training programme. And it allows them to actually participate. And these programs are very, very um, effective. They're very, very good. Um, people um, participate in communication skills, personal development. Um, they get integrated into their communities much more. Um, and I suppose... And are they, they school need, leavers? Uh, what what age group are they? Okay, some are... It, it varies. Patricia. Okay. They're all, all, all across disability. So you have people who are school leavers, who are leaving um, special classes in, in, in secondary schools, who come out to these programs. You have people with physical disabilities uh, and intellectual disabilities. Um, okay, so, so it's a cross-section. And how long yeah, do the courses... Yeah, people problems, I suppose, is another big, big area. How long do the uh, courses run for? They're up to three years, but a lot of people don't participate for three years. They, okay. they, they move on to, um, I suppose, higher-level training, um, and some people move on to employment. So I think that's the big thing about this, is that it's very short-sighted and very small-minded, actually, to be honest with you, because a lot of people, I suppose, who participate in these programs will move on to employment eventually, thus, I suppose, uh, meaning that they won't be reliant on social welfare payments yeah, for the rest yeah, of their lives. Yeah, and, and it is, imp- it is important to point out that existing students, Patrick, will retain the allowance. It's the incoming students, mm. the ones coming anyone, in is in yeah. next week in September, they're the ones who lose out. Yes, anyone new starting the programme will, will, will not be um, availing of, of that top-up allowance. Uh, existing students will be getting it till, till they finish the programme, but it's new students starting the, the programmes that will will not be um, availing of this or not be allowed to avail of this. Was there any consultation with the disability sector before axing the allowance? No, no, it was a, it was, it was a, a bold statement uh, by the HSE that they were going to do this. And I suppose um, all the disability sector, including like the Coagent Cope, uh, Brothers of Charity, um, all the intellectual disabilities providers, they're all in the same boat and they're all um, up in arms over this, to be honest with you, because uh, rehabilitative training crosses all the disability sector and all the disability organisations in a way. So it's not just National Learning Network, it's, it's everyone. OK, and it isn't, it, at the end of the day, it isn't a huge sum of money. It's €31.80, Euro no. but that €31.80, Euro uh, Patrick, could be the difference between somebody doing a course and not doing a course, could it? Absolutely. Like we did a survey uh, nationally of our, of our students and 85% said that the training allowance, that training bonus was the difference between them participating and not participating because of the additional costs. You have to remember that these people are, are only on two or three euros a week anyway, um, Patricia. So trying to, I suppose, of that 203 euros a week, trying to actually... Um, facilitate themselves to get up in the morning, get transport, have a packed lunch or, or buy a lunch when they're out. Um, 
it's difficult, you know, it's very difficult. OK, the HSC say that the training bonus, it'll save 3.7 million, that's over four years. They're saying it'll be reinvested into disability day services. So others with a disability, Patrick, will benefit. Do you, I mean, do you take any comfort from that? I, OK, absolutely. But that, that, that over 3 million could be could be found somewhere else. Uh, Patricia, this is a long and tried and trusted um, programme going back going back over many, many years, 40 years or more. Your phone line is sorry, great. Yeah, sure. sorry, your phone yeah, is breaking. Ringing me there okay, sorry, yeah. So it's I been... back over 30 or 40 years and it's tried and trusted and it's huge, um, I suppose, verified outcomes and um, why you would take uh, the opportunity for, for people to participate in this um, away um, in, I suppose, in lieu of trying something else or, 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 or um, piloting something else it just baffles belief for me to be honest with you, you know. Yeah, it this seems is, it's, it's one of those mean, it seems a little bit mean spirited really um, when, when I heard it first I, I was kind of taken aback but also the mm. fact that it was presented as a face complete to the disability sector guys like yourselves who were who at the cold face there was mm. no discussion, no negotiation to say what do you think lads? How do you yeah. think, you know, do we really need this? Do we need to yeah. leave it alone? Do we need to increase it, decrease it? Or could we use the money somewhere else? But to just suddenly be told. So you are, I mean, I'm, I, I take it your next batch of students will be coming in in September. You already yeah. have them earmarked. Yeah, we've lined up students for, um, like one of our programmes is a specific mental health programme. The focus okay. programme in Salah Kilty. And um, we are starting that in, the, I think, the 16th of September, whichever the month is there. Um, and, and there's a, a number of students lined up to come on that. But in, in Bantry, we have a rebuilding training program that covers, I suppose, across disability. And there's a number of um, similar students coming on from the, the who are exiting, um, leaving cert, you know, mm. leaving cert and need, need a service now. And there's a number of students lined up to come on that. So they won't be able to benefit from it. Um, and, you know, um, and they would have been expecting to get it when they applied for these courses. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like, like back in June or June, like they would have been, we've been engaged with students leaving, leaving secondary school back in, you know, March, April, May, you know, um, and we would have been outlining the, um, the, um, I suppose, the, the conditions of the course, mm. the, the, the benefits of participating in the course. And, um, no, it's all changed overnight, to be honest with you. you know. And it's gone and, and that's it. I know you're hosting a coffee morning tomorrow at your right. centre in Bantry to highlight the impact of the removal of the of the bonus. Who are you yeah. aiming that at and who are you hoping will attend? We've, invite, we've invited all the local councillors and uh, TDs. Um, uh, but again, we've invited the services as well, like Department of Social Protection, HSE, um, support groups, um, and all the support groups dealing with mental, mental health and disability in general. Um, so we're hoping we'll have a decent turnout um, just to highlight the issue again, Patricia, because we, we feel for very, very small money, this is this is a very um, uh, small-minded move, to be honest with you. Um, and it isn't, as I say again, it isn't, it isn't a huge sum of money. I mean, that's the no, bit that no, surprises no. me the most. OK, listen... In, in the HSE's budget nationally, like, it's, it's negligible, it's minuscule. It's, it's, it's in the scheme of things, yeah. 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 OK, listen, good and luck with the... Good luck with the coffee morning tomorrow, thanks, uh, Patrick, really and thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Good morning to you. Appreciate that uh, is uh, Patrick Jared Murphy of the National Learning Network in Bantry.
Martin was on to us to say a woman on Saturday lost a black purse which contained money and some bank cards. She lost it around half past four. Now there was two places she was at that time in the afternoon. Uh, she either lost it at Dallas in Bellevue or else at South Dock in Mallow. So did anybody find a black purse? And I'm assuming that the lady has already checked in with Dallas in Bellevue and South Dock and nobody handed it in there so somebody must have picked it up, maybe took it home for safekeeping to so a black purse with money and cards Dano's Bellevue our South Dock in Mallow 1815-333-103 if you found same let us know please You're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Colin Butterman said very very mean spirited to remove that small training allowance for people with uh, disabilities I feel it was a very bad decision they won't go after the TDs and their wages and expenses and when they say they're going to reinvest the money back into dis- disability services how can we be absolutely sure that that's where the money will go I have to say that that when the HSE came back and said that that's what they plan to do they're going to put it into day services and there are great needs in day services as, as well uh, fingers crossed and I really hope that is exactly what they will do with the money but yeah who's to know going forward will that decision uh, change uh, we just have to we have to trust them I suppose uh, more than anything and Mike in Bantry says I went to that National Training Centre in Bantry for a number of years it was a great place to work happiest days of my life isn't that lovely thank you that's from Mike in Bantry thank you Mike Hi Patricia I would like to thank from GAA for a fantastic country and western show yesterday in, on their pitch it was absolutely fabulous weather was unreal there was a brilliant crowd oh what a day upwards upwards and onwards thanks to all of the organisers and a job well done and that's from Eileen Cohen Pad McCormack, Mike and Marie McCormack and Catherine Mannix, all who travelled from Kilworth and had a fantastic day out and they're already counting down to next year. And thank God for the weather. Yeah, anyone who had any outdoor event planned for yesterday probably got one of the most gorgeous peach days. Best, one of the best Sundays of the summer for sure. So well done and good to know that that was such a, a big, big success in Formoy uh, yesterday on antisocial behaviour and young people and what we were hearing about coming out from Killer. And I did say when I was speaking with Councillor Susan McCarthy, it's a very small cohort of young people that carry on like that and act like that and they just ruin the good name of other young people because Sheila said, Patricia, when you're talking about young people, I often go into the city on my own and I have met wonderful young people, young boys and girls who have been nothing but kind to me. For example, when I'm waiting for the bus, they'll always have a chat and they're really kind. Or if I don't have a seat, one of them straight away up on their feet and they'll offer me a, a seat. One day, I needed 20 cents to get into a toilet and I didn't have one and this young fella helped me out says Sheila isn't that terrific when you see that's children who are well raised and they they are a credit to their parents when people were talking about the young guys and girls drinking in Killer Woods and at the at the park and people saying you know where their uh, their parents and the parents you know do need to know where their young people and what their young people are at there are other parents who are doing fantastic job with their kids and raising really well-mannered children and who will always know where their children are and what what their children are up are up to and 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 I'm not 
that's not to say that parents don't always do the very best that they can do but I think there is an element of parental responsibility particularly when you hear that level of intimidation by those uh, young people 1850 333 103 also coming in to us by uh, text oh I mentioned the Rose of Chile is on tonight of course and uh, we are wishing the very very best of luck to the young lady representing Cork and that is Stephanie McCarthy from Douglas but as we heard last week I think I counted seven in total have very strong Cork connections which is great so we we could get a win it might be lovely if it was the Cork Rose who won but it could be another Rose and we'll claim it because she's very strong Cork connections and that one lady with a very strong Cork connection is the Sydney Rose and Louise from Cantark says Patricia I want to wish the very best of luck to my cousin the Sydney Rose Rebecca Mazza who will be in the first round tonight as indeed Stephanie the Cork Rose is in the first round tonight as well Uh, Rebecca Mazza the Sydney Rose visited the ancestral home of her great grandfather that was James Daly he was originally from Newmarket and he emigrated to Perth in Western Australia in 1909 in 1915 James enlisted in the Australian Imperial Force he fought James fought at Gallipoli goodness me on the Western Front Rebecca recently reunited with her extended family at a family gathering at Bob's Bar. She also visited the Cantor Community Hospital who made a special presentation to uh, Rebecca and that's Louise from North uh, from Cantor and they'll all be shouting on the Sydney Rose, one, one of our own again. Thank you for that and good luck. Uh, good luck to all of the roses but particularly those with the bit of a cork uh, connection. On the dumping in Kilcrumper outside New Kilcrumper Cemetery, Mary says, Patricia, I was visiting Kilcrumper Cemetery around the August weekend and there were several skip bags there. I assume they were waiting to be filled before being collected and obviously what we heard from this weekend... They're obviously full because there's a smell coming from them. I have far more issues, though, than the skip bags. There's a generator there, there's gas bottles and there's concrete blocks being used as steps to get into the camper. I would worry about all of those, says uh, Mary. And we are trying to get on to councillors or to the council to find out what's happening, particularly with these skip bags and the fact that they are smelling. But they seem to be all at meetings this morning. John Paul says he's having problems uh, getting through, but we will we'll keep working uh, at it. 1850 at uh, 333103. Patricia, I heard somebody mention about cans and bottles and stuff being left behind on a street in Mallow. Now, can I tell you, says this texter, if that was Blarney, the Tidy Towns group would be all over it and they'd have them all picked up. Blarney is absolutely spotless and great credit must go to the Tidy Towns group. Thank you for that by WhatsApp to 086 Kieran in McCroom is having a bit of a problem. He is he's a couple of weeks short of getting his old age pension but he's been charged low usage from Electricity Ireland and there are others out there, Kieran reckons, like himself. He's trying to save on his electricity so he's quite frugal about his electricity use but now he's been penalised uh, for it which he feels is very very unfair are there other people and I know there is whenever we've discussed before low usage it's usually people that have holiday homes and they get very annoyed about having to pay this low usage fee when they're not in the property uh, at all but you know 
Electric Ireland and all of the companies will say they have to do that. They have to charge something. They can't just have a facility there that you switch on whenever you want and that you expect it to always be there. And that's how they they defend it. But here's somebody who's trying because he doesn't want large bills, I'm assuming, is where Kieran is coming from. So he's trying to make sure that he uses as little electricity as possible and he's getting penalised for that. Are there others? Kieran reckons there's others like him. Are you living in a house whereby you are really, really careful about your electricity use and because you're being so ultra careful about it that you are, it's not just Electric Ireland, it's all the companies will charge. Are you being charged because of that? 1850-333-103 and a number of people are are on already about wind turbines, which is the topic we're going to be discussing this hour. Tom in Mill Street says we could have well over 200 wind turbines in the Johalo region with the way things are going. Why can't they just put these wind turbines offshore? Every mountain in the Johalo area is now covered in wind turbines and Tom in Mill Street certainly not happy with them. Matt in Mallow says, I'm looking out my window towards Newmarket. There are three wind turbines in the distance. There's more in Rock Chapel. Not to mind driving from Gertrude to Dunamore. It's full of wind turbines, as you, particularly as you head towards Rylan. There's also lots around Nad. The area seems to be a wash with them. And PJ in Newmarket says all these turbines that we see on Musher are all getting the subvention that you mentioned earlier, Patricia, from the government. And we're paying for it via our PSO levy on all of our electricity bills. We have around 60 wind turbines from Mushra all the way over to Rylan. Where are they going to... Where are they going? Where they're going up is the only part around Mushra that is left unspoilt and untouched. And this is where the new ones will have to go. But with transportation, making roads in order to access these wind turbines, then the actual wind turbine themselves. PJ Newmarket is wondering just how green are they? They surely have a huge carbon footprint. So they're probably doing as much damage to the environment. They are far from being green says PJ in uh, Newmarket. 1850 333 103. That's some of your calls uh, coming into the programme today and I can see questions coming in for Annalise. Keep those coming please because Annalise will join us after half past 12 today. Still looking for, I haven't had anything in by text. I don't think John Paul has has either. Any tips in for a two-year-old who hates having her hair washed? And as soon as the towel comes out for the washing of the hair, the screaming and the roaring and the upset begins. No matter what they do, they've tried showering. That doesn't work. She just hates having her hair washed. And uh, they're looking for, family are looking for advice to see if anyone has any solution uh, because this child is in the first state having her hair washed and by God she won't be the last but how did you can you remember how did you get over it it's kind of one of those things that happen when you're a child and or when your children are young you think oh God yeah we went through that and then you're trying to think how, how, when did that all stop did it just suddenly stop itself or is there any little little trick that you can give that we can pass on to this uh, listener and then another listener heard me say that and said I've got a grandchild who won't leave me brush her hair she cries so much anything I can do about that some children are just really sensitive about hairbrushing. Now, I don't know what type of hair your granddaughter has. Has she one of those 
wonderful heads of hair where it's just full of curls and that can be because that can be quite painful to brush out whereas if she just has straight sleeky hair it's certainly a lot easier but even with straight sleeky hair there are some children just do not like that feel of hair brushing why I don't know because I just think it's a it's like getting a head massage it's a wonderful sensation to have somebody brushing your hair but anyway so we're looking for advice on that as well hair brushing and how you can get a child who just gets really upset and obviously is raw, is crying that it's hurting and it's obviously not but in this little child's head, uh, it is. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Jobs. Landscape operative is required. It's for a busy East Cork landscaping building business. While electricians are wanted for new contracts, that's in Cork City and uh, County. Qualified hairdresser wanted for a part-time position. It's in a salon in Canturk. And the Clonakilty Park Hotel, they've got vacancies for a part-time kitchen assistant. They're also looking for part-time accommodation assistance. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. Now, last week, we received the following text message from Dan, one of our listeners, that reads, Hi, Patricia. Is it true that there's a big canvassing campaign by Quilta and Brookfield Renewables going on around Ballinagree and the surrounding areas, getting landowners to sign up for massive wind turbines? Apparently, they're telling the landowners that Mill Street to Mallow will be linked up with these turbines. Could you please find out more for us? Well, writing about this topic in this week's Corkman newspaper is Sinead Kelleher, who now joins me on the programme. Good afternoon. Good, good morning to you, Sinead. Morning, Patricia. I'm, I'm, How are you? I'm wishing the day away. I'm very well, thank you. Now, have landowners been approached by wind farm companies? Yes, they have, yeah. Absolutely. Now, there's actually three, well, there are two companies involved. Quilta and Brookfield are canvassing Van Legree and and Mushra Mountain area, while VSB Renewables are targeting the Mallow area. And is it a hard sell they're using, or what are they saying to landowners? Well, in, in one of the letters I've seen, that the Cockman has seen, they're telling landowners that their land is suitable for electri- electricity generation. So they've said that they have, can- they have an extensive nationwide assessment of all areas suitable for wind farm development, and that this land is suitable for wind farm development. That's what they say to landowners in Mallow. So and similarly, the, in Balnagree, they have sent out brochures outlining that this, this that the project they want to take on in Balnagree and saying that their land is suitable. Would you be interested in it? So they're just putting feelers out. They're not talking money, terms, conditions, nothing like that. Um, my understanding in Mallow is that they're putting feelers out, and that's the company is VSB Renewable Energy. Whereas in Balnagree, they're more progressed. They have actually spoken to landowners, and my understanding is some landowners have already signed up in the Balnagree area. Wow. Any planning permission being lodged? No, no, no. It's a very, very early stage. There's no planning permission whatsoever. It seems to be more canvassing and looking to see whether they get landowners to sign up for that. And is there a lot of concern then, Sinead, by communities living in the areas that you've mentioned? Yes, there is, actually. I have, I have spoken to some of them actually again this morning. And while it's very early stages, it is important to say that it's very early. Like There's no planning permission. That's not, so the size and scale hasn't been decided yet. But my understanding in Balnagree, while many landowners have signed up for it, there's also concerns about, you know, the scenic value, being close to houses, that, you know, you know communities being divided by this, because obviously some people are supportive of such projects, while others aren't. So, it, it's, again, it's a, you know, small communities like Balnagree is very upsetting. Yeah, absolutely. Any wind turbines in the area already? 
There is actually, my understanding in Banagree, there's a wind farm not too far away. So okay. there is, yeah, there is tur- there would be tur- turbines. Turbines, yeah, yeah. So can we expect campaign groups opposed to wind farms to be set up and and, and pretty quickly? I imagine. Yeah, that's my extreme understanding because I, I understand from the, like from Mallow and Banagree that they've been in contact with other groups in Kerry where there's been quite a number of high-profile campaigns against wind farms in Kerry, like the Slivuka Wind Awareness, which which wouldn't be too far away. They've mm. been canvassing it. Or, they're taking a judicial review for a farm in Ballydesmond, Scarlet Lake County, Ballydesmond area, and they've been contacted by other groups in Cork to see what they can do now. Yeah, it's one of these things, and I mentioned this earlier, like everybody sees the advantage of renewables and we know we need to move towards renewable forms of energy, but nobody wants to live beside a wind turbine, Jeanette. That, that seems to be the problem. I mean, I think obviously, like, you know, Ireland has a target to meet and that's what that's obviously why these companies are looking for land that's suitable. But the fear, especially in Banagree, having spoken to some people, is that they would be very close to houses. Mm. And I think not quite, not too far away from Banagree, people have had to move previously because of wind turbines because of flicker and noise nearby. So that, I think that's the biggest fear. It's not that people are so much opposed to wind farms or wind energy. It's that they're opposed to them very close to homes. Yeah, you're right on targets. I mean, we're getting a quarter of our electricity currently comes uh, from wind, but the by 2030, the government is pledging that three quarters of all of our electricity will come from, from renewables. So they they have to get moving on this one. And actually, that's the, in the latter that was sent to households in Mallow, that's actually what BSB Renewable Energy said. In the latter, they said, you know, that Irish government has targets to meet and that that's why they're canvassing this area. They said Ireland has a very strong wind resource but there are many technical and regulatory factors and that this was why Mallow was suitable. See, I, I can't, I can never understand why they don't go offshore. Yeah, that's a, that is an interesting question. Yeah, yeah, it just, it, uh, it defies logic because no matter where you put these wind tur- turbines, they are going to upset people. That's, that's for sure. That seems to be the way. But I suppose in fairness to other companies, at least it seems to be kind of that they have contacted everyone in advance of any planning permission being lodged. Like previously, we've seen personally planning permission lodged and there's been no contact. These, they have sent out brochures and letters to households in both areas outlining their plans. So I suppose they're giving people a chance to, to know what's going on, which is quite, a, which is probably a good thing. Like, okay, all right, and we will. There will be campaign groups against it, I guarantee. You. And you're right; it will divide communities. Okay, uh, we'll keep a close eye on the Corkman for updates and follow-ups on this. Uh, Sinead, in the meantime, thank you for that. Okay, and thanks thank you for very joining much. us. Bye bye. That is uh, Sinead Kelleher, who is a journalist with the Corkman uh, newspaper. Texture says, Patricia, if those wind turbines go in and you get wind farms, battery storage compounds. That's what will follow the wind turbines because they'll need to store the electricity generated. And Dan says, the people of Ballinagree and every surrounding area from there to Mallow should be extremely worried about these wind turbine plans. They will be split down the middle forevermore. Look at Ballydesmond and the Gwinnigwilla areas as an example. The whole place is split up and probably will be forever. The developers have used the old divide and conquer method. It's so sad to have that horrible tension within a parish. That's what happens when landlords sell out to these ruthless developers. They will essentially... I want to cancel that because you you can't say that. But anyway, they will get in no matter how, the developers. 
once they get the signatures uh, they're in and then the land uh, owner is uh, caught. I mean it is as I say it's still at the early development stage of all of this because no no planning permission yet but we'll, we'll watch with interest but people always upset as soon as you mention a wind turbine you're guaranteed you're going to people going not on my watch I don't want to be living anywhere near it 1850 333 103 uh, having people still commenting on the piece that we did on the training allowance and the fact that the training allowance for people with disability is gone for all anyone getting it at the moment will get it until their course is finished but any of the new people signing up for these training courses just a little over 30 euro a week has been taken away by the HSE now the HSE say they're putting it into they're keeping it within disability services but they're going to put it into day services but they're taking it away from people on these uh, training courses uh, Kieran said that's absolutely shocking that they can take money away from disabled people and yet Patricia did you see that prisoners got extra pocket money Kieran in Mallow believes that prisoners should never get any pocket money and wonders how do other listeners feel and this is a story I certainly read about it in the examiner today and it's a story that that says prisoners these people in jail convicted of a crime and then you go to prison they they got a 10% rise in their pocket money is that what you'd call it last year 2.8 million euro was given to inmates for discretionary items, you know, if they want to buy a pack of cigarettes and they might like a bar of chocolate or some sweets or, or whatever. Actually, it's funny, it's it's 3.2 million, wasn't it, is what this allowance for the disabled people with the training. So it's not far off that it goes out in pocket money to prisoners. Okay, every inmate is entitled to, they don't call it, they don't, it's not officially called pocket money, it's called a daily gratuity from the Irish Prison Service and they prisoner gets it and it's up to them how they spend it or they can save it as well they don't have to spend it but it's on non-essential goods such as computer games they can get confectionery they might like a cake maybe for their birthday and of course tobacco and I'm assuming the bulk of it probably goes on cigarettes uh, does it if you particularly for the smokers that's certainly what they'll be spending their money on last year the amount given to prisoners rose to this 2.8 million prior to 2012 all inmates were entitled to a flat rate gratuity of 2 euro and 35 cent per day and but then an incentivized regime was introduced in 2012 and that allowed that this pocket money to be raised or reduced depending on the prisoner's behaviour. So the idea now is since 2012 there's a standard daily rate of €1.70 but that gets increased to an enhanced rate of next to 50 cent, €2.20 and that's if the they save the prisoner's compliance. If they're good and they're doing everything and they're not breaking any of the rules they'll get the higher one of €2.20 but then if they break the rules, if they misbehave in any way, they can have that daily pocket money cut to a basic rate of just 95 cent a day. The proportion of inmates on the lower basic rate has gone up. It went up to 11% last year and the number of prisoners on the enhanced rate also rose. That's up to 48%. So nearly half of all prisoners is, is, will be getting the actual higher rate. Now, inmates can also earn additional money. They can get €3.50 per week extra in pocket money that's if they do chores if they do things like painting and decorating if they do some cleaning some cooking 
ground maintenance, laundry or waste uh, management. They get extra 350 a week. The cash can be spent then on discretionary items. They can buy toiletries, for example. They can buy, you know, items from the tuck uh, shop as well as, and I didn't know this, paying for television rental or other services offered by the Irish Prison Services. It can also be saved until the prisoner is released and detainees can also apply for interest-free loans from the prison service and they repay the borrowings from their pocket money. A total of half a million was loaned to prisoners between 2014 and 2016. It doesn't say what the loans were for or what they actually bought. But I thought it was interesting to see that they rented TV. Because, you know, when people say, oh, look at them in prison and they have a TV in their cell. So do they only have a TV in their cell if they're actually paying rent on it? And I don't know how much the rent is. I'm, I'm assuming it's uh, quite a small scale. But the total given out by way of pocket money was 2.8 million. And I don't know if that includes the additional money of the ones that work that get the extra 350 anyway Kieran and Mallow is kind of putting it side by side that here we have disabled people leaving school and trying to go on to a training course and that they get their disability allowance but because they're doing this rehabilitative training they get this extra allowance of 31 odd euro a little over 30 euro a week extra and it's been decided that they're going to take that away from the disabled student and they'll instead they'll keep it within the disability sector. But those students, the ones that are taking up the, the courses come September, they won't be getting that allowance uh, anymore. And it's going to save 3.2 million get saved instead. And that goes back into the disability services. So Kieran is saying while that's going on, you then see that 2.8 million is handed out by way of pocket money to uh, prisoners. Should we be looking at that and if, uh, is it only right and proper that prisoners get some kind of a pocket money when they're in prison? Uh, and it's, it is, in the scheme of things, really, it is a very small sum of money. I know when you see it at 2.8 million, it might look like a big sum of money. But I mean, you know, the daily two euro and, and 20 cent a day. Now, is that over 14 days of the week? It is. So 14 euro and a little over 15 euro a week is what they receive by way of pocket money and then if they say they're doing the job and they get the extra 350 so some might come out with about 20 euro are there per week while they're in prison. It isn't a huge amount of money and can I say if they're smokers that won't even buy them two packets of cigarettes so I mean I'm assuming they're getting their additional cigarettes are they from families dropping them in uh, to them but anyway does that need to be looked at? Is it a waste of money to be given 2.8 million by way of pocket, pocket money, even if they do use it as an incentive scheme, they lower it if people are misbehaving and they put it up to the higher rate if the prisoners are behaving themselves. So from the prison guard's point of view and the governor's point of view, is it good to have something like this in place because it acts as an incentive to make sure that prisoners behave themselves? Anyway, your thoughts on that are, Kiro, Kiro, is it Kiron or Kiron in Mallow uh, feels that it should be done away with, does not feel. Prisoner's in there because he's broken some rule, some law. He can be there for very serious offences like murder, for example. Uh, and therefore, they're not, they should not be entitled to any kind of pocket money. Your thoughts are welcomed. Just taking a quick look, a lot of uh, texts coming into the programme this morning. Thank you for them. And we always welcome them to 0862 103 103. I can see some coming for Annalise as well. So keep those coming because she'll be with us uh, in after half past 12 uh, today. 
Donal says, hi Patricia, those prisoners should get nothing. It's our money at the end of the day, i.e. it's taxpayers' money that's giving them their pocket money uh, every day. They missed, they missed behaved. They should get a, they should be getting absolutely nothing, certainly not any kind of a financial gain while they are in uh, prison. And somebody else said, Patricia, I'm absolutely shocked to hear the prisoners get uh, pocket money. Never knew never heard about that before. I think it's always it's always been there but I suppose the argument is they have to give them money for well, particularly the cigarettes. I know you could say well family but not everyone w- would have family and if they want treats if they want a bar of chocolate or you know they want some toiletries. I don't know how much do they get basic toiletries while in uh, prison. Okay and on a completely different topic. Hi Patricia do you think it's fair that adults have to pay to go into children's amusements. I went to a farm in North Cork over the weekend and myself and my husband were charged €9.50 each along with our children. The children by the way were €8.50 per child. It cost us the fortune by the time we got out of there. I didn't see why we, the adults, had to pay. If we had no children we wouldn't have no business being there. There's nothing there for adults except for the teas and the coffees which I'm assuming you paid for extra. Uh, we won't be going there uh, again. That it's, yeah, It isn't always the case. I mean certainly I know some of the indoor play areas. There's one very close to us here in Mallow, uh, Little Rascals. They have um, the play area, you know, those, the, the, the indoor soft bouncy things and ball ponds and all of that and the children pay in and the adults are, are free in and obviously the adults can sit then and have cups of coffee and there's food as well. There's a, you know, you can buy some food. So they make money out of the adults that way. And that's normally what happens at any of the indoor play centres. It's just the children. I don't know if it's different when it comes to it was obviously some one of those petting farms. I'm, I'm assuming it's done because it's the way that if they didn't charge for the adults, they'd have to charge more for the children. So €9.50 for the adults and €8.50 for the children. Yeah, that works out as you know, if you've got a family of two adults and uh, three kids, that's over, well, over 40 euro that can work out an expensive day out. On top of them, I'm assuming there were snacks that had to be bought and, and teas and coffees. Anyway, does that annoy other people that if you go to somewhere with the children that's aimed at the children, there's nothing there at all for the adults to do. Should only the children be charged? And then do you set the rate by doing that then the children would be charged more obviously but is that the way it should be you set the rate so it's just the children that are going to attend and play and get all the fun out of it and that the adults shouldn't be charged or is it the fairest way to charge both the adults and the children 1850 333 103 text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 Banking customers have been warned over a scam where fake text messages are being sent in a bid to gain access to financial information. Gardaí and the Banking and Payments Federation of Ireland are highlighting these fake text messages. And joining me with details is Neve Davenport of Fraud Smart Programme with the Banking and Payments Federation. Good morning to you, Neve. Good morning. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, we've had Thanks phishing emails and this time yeah. it's smish, smishing scams. Can yeah. you tell us how the scam operates? So, we these are text message scams. Um, so, they're smishing SMS text messages and they're imitating a text from your bank. So, the fraudster is sending a text and typically it would ask you to maybe verify, update or even reactivate your account. It will do that by giving you a link in the text message. 
and it will ask you, once you click on that link, it brings you to a fake online banking website to imitate your bank's website. And in there, you put in your password, your details, and, they, and then the fraudsters have all the information they need. And often, when, if you did click on the link, the website will look very convincing. So it's very convincing. It will look exactly the same as your bank's website. Um, you know, right down to the colour scheme, the logos, um, how you enter it in, everything will appear as normal. And then once you've, unfortunately, given away all your information, do they clear money out of your account pretty quickly? They do. Um, they have access. They have your, your login details, your passcodes, um, and, the, and all your account details. So they, they actually empty out some people's bank accounts. We've seen losses um, across it, but if you can act quickly and try to prevent them, uh, the banks will do their very best to get your money back. So if, God forbid, you think you have been a victim of one of these scams, the, you need to contact your bank immediately. Exactly. Time is of the essence. The fraudsters are sitting waiting for the money to go into their bank accounts. And once it hits their bank accounts, they'll spread it around lots of different banks account, bank accounts. So the quicker you act, the better. And don't be embarrassed because you got, you got caught out. No, don't be embarrassed. There's lots of variations of this scam uh, going around. At the moment, it's imitating your bank. We've also had ones where it was revenue refunds. Um, A couple of months ago, it was refunds from a utility bill. So in general, just always be wary of any unexpected text messages or emails, as it has been in the past as well, and never give out personal or financial information. We act so quickly nowadays, we really need to take that time out. Don't be rushed. Don't feel under pressure to do anything and take your time. And whenever we talk about these type of scams on the programme, Neve, inevitably we will get calls in from people saying, but how do these scam artists get my phone number? Yeah. Unfortunately, they use publicly available information. So it could be the phone book. It could be that your number is on a website somewhere. Um, right down to, I don't know if you're a member of your local club or something like that, or you act there and, and, and your number's on the website. They also use social media a lot and to gain information. So in the case of the email scams you're referring to, they might have your name, they might have some personal details about you. So the email appears very trustworthy. And they do all this to manipulate you into thinking that you are speaking or talking to whoever it is that you think you're talking to. Um, it's all, it, it, fraudsters are very sophisticated nowadays. They're not um, you know, the old emails that we would have seen years ago with bad grammar. They're using still the emails, the telephone to scam you, but they're just much better at it nowadays and using technology to do that. And if the fraudsters do manage to engage and start talking with you, they'll often try to create an element of urgency uh, to get you to react, isn't it? That's it. All scams, any type of scam, there's always a sense of urgency. There's something that's going to happen if you don't act quickly. For example, your money is not safe or your account is going to be frozen or you'll lose your refund within 24 hours. This is not the case. Any sense of urgency is a sure sign that there's something up. If you have any doubts, especially when it comes to your bank um, account, you know, use that number on the back of your card, ring, ring your bank directly yourself, hang up that landline. And something we don't think about anymore as well is when you do hang, hang up that phone, make sure you hear a dial tone before you make your next call. Because they can be at the other end of the line. They and can then you still think, be at the other end, uh, yeah. And then you think you're onto your, your genuine bank and you're not. Exactly. We've seen cases where the fraudster calls, uh, you're talking to the call, caller and you say you're going to call your bank or whoever it is directly yourself. They say no problem. They're well versed in this. They say no problem at all. You hang up the phone, you pick it back up, but you actually don't hear a dial tone and they're still on the other end 
and they answer as if it's your bank or whoever it might be. Oh my, go- oh my goodness. So we can't overemphasise enough that your bank will never ask you for personal information over the phone, by text or by email. Exactly. I mean, you know, your bank will contact you via those channels. Obviously, they have to, but they will never ask you for that personal information. Anything unsolicited asking for personal information or financial information is a sure sign that there's something up. So an unsolicited text, you just simply delete. Is that the advice? Delete it, yes. Yeah. So you don't need to contact your bank every time you get one of them. Just delete it. No. um, You know, and and you will be able to spot some. You know, I actually got one myself the other day and I'm not a customer (laughs) of that bank. So I knew definitely a scam but you know so you will be able to spot some of them but just if you're unsure in any way contact your bank Okay listen uh, Neve, a pleasure to talk to you thank you for that and thanks for joining thanks us for on the programme uh, Good morning to you that is uh, Neve Davenport and Neve is with Fraud Smart Programme at the Banking and Payments Federation Ireland just be careful folks and that is probably one of the greatest ways of spotting one of those scams and I've I've certainly like what Neve said there received the same thing where you get a text message from your bank telling you, you know there's something wrong with your credit card or something wrong with your account or whatever and it's from a bank that you that you've never ever banked with so like it's a real telltale sign but they do it and they send them randomly out in the hope that they are going to hit on a number of people who are with that bank and who may get sucked in and who may think oh my goodness there is something wrong here and then they've got that whole urgency about it and something needs to be done uh, ASAP and actually Billy in Bandon said he got a security alert from Bank of Ireland last week now it was sent out by text and it was basically telling him uh, that the bank would never look for information via a text message. So it's kind of ironic. They're sending out a text alerting people because definitely last week, it's one of the reasons that Neve joined us today on the programme. It was all over last week, this smishing, as it's been called, it's replacing. Phishing was the email one, but when it's an SMS text message, it's called a smishing uh, scam. And the one that was doing the rounds was a Bank of Ireland one, and it looked really authentic. It really, really looked authentic. Uh, and obviously because of that, Bank of Ireland decided to do something about it. So they obviously contacted all of their customers that they had a, an, that they had a mobile number for to tell them we will never contact you via text message looking for information. Uh, so, yeah, so they use the technology. Text messages can be great to get a message out there as quickly as possible, but just be very, very careful. These are somebody said on this programme last week when we were uh, chatting about this, we can put a man on the moon and for some reason we haven't the technology to be able to stop these scam artists. But the thing is, it's their intelligence level, which is you just think if only they'd use their intelligence and their smartness for something, for something else. As soon as the powers that be catch up and try to close down a loophole that's one that's got one scam going they've worked out something else and they're off uh, they're off again and their modus operandi will change uh, every time so we can never I don't think we'll ever get to the stage where we won't stop talking about it and won't stop alerting people and telling people and reminding people that you have to be so very careful You're listening Life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if AI could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like, what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. 
Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. To Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. From Oi Goes Country, another text in about that. It was a call this time. This was the event that was on uh, yesterday in the Fomoy GAA grounds. Sounded like it was a terrific day out and they got wonderful weather for it. Marion Fomoy was at it. She said it was a great event. And she said she wants to highlight the public toilets. They used portaloos. And she said they were so clean for the event. And she in particular wants to mention two people, Martha and Michael. I don't know who Martha and Michael, if they're with the local GA or who they are with, but they were maintaining them. And, and well done, because at some of those events, when with the following day, when people are analysing how good or how bad an event was, inevitably, you'll get people saying the toilets were an absolute disgrace. Probably to help yesterday, the fact it was fine weather, if it was wet weather and you're walking in and out, very hard to maintain the toilets and keep the floors clean without people dragging muck in so that they would have been aided by certainly the dry weather yesterday but obviously having people maintaining them and keeping an eye on them and making sure that they're clean that certainly helps. So well done to Martha and Michael who are maintaining the port to lose at Fomoigo's country yesterday. But somebody was giving out. There's always somebody to give out. Well, not giving out because I said it was a great event, but making a point, if I can find it now. This was a text that I had in uh, earlier where all my texts have gone missing on me. I had a text in earlier from, I'm sure the gentleman was Pat to say that they were at the event yesterday. Attended the country music concert in Fomoy. Great afternoon, but was quite surprised not to see even one Garda there at any stage yesterday, said Pat. He would have expected to see more Garda patrolling around. And now, just because you didn't see one, Pat, that's not to say that there wouldn't be one. Because usually wherever there's a large event like that, the Garda will always have a presence or they'll have a walk around or they'll be there somewhere. So I would be surprised if for a large event like that, that there wasn't even just for traffic management, there would have been some guardie around. And, you know, Fomoy has a guard the station. It would surprise me that there was absolutely none. But anyway, Pat didn't see any he, and he, because he didn't see one. He reckons there wasn't at one on duty yesterday at the Fomoy Goes uh, Country. We were talking about learner drivers and in particular we're talking because there's a big campaign that was launched uh, today. A listener says, hi Patricia, here we go again on the news. You're on about learner drivers. I emailed about the tester's phone ringing. Now this was the listener who contacted us whose son, wasn't it, was doing their driving test and while they were driving around the tester's mobile phone rang more than once it rang a couple of times and now he didn't the tester he didn't take the call or anything just you know let the call ring out but 
listener was making the point that her son, now he did pass the test, he wasn't put off by it, but was making the point that if you were nervous, and a lot of people are very nervous when they're doing the driving test, a phone ringing like that and ringing a few times might actually throw you off and you might make a stupid mistake or, and that stupid mistake might cause you to fail the test and you did it because the phone rang and threw you off slightly even though when I read out that late, that mother's comment somebody straight away said hang on now take in the real world when you're driving a car if you've anybody in the car with you the chances are at some stage while that young lad is out driving somebody's phone will ring could it have been part of the test but we checked that and it wasn't part of the test but this listener was just this mother was just surprised that the tester would have even had their phone on you would have thought that that would have been the first thing certainly when you're doing the test if you if you had your phone with you you certainly would be switching it off you wouldn't be having your own phone ringing anyway the listener got on to the road safety authority isn't it because they're the ones who coordinate the driving lessons and she got on to them to because she had the day and the time that her son did the test and said look this happened is this the norm that a tester's phone would ring during a te- during a test she said she got an email back last Friday saying that they'd spoke with the tester and it was his boss who was ringing his phone <laughs> okay <laughs> still doesn't answer is it the correct thing that a tester even if the boss was trying to get through to them do you not switch the phone off or at least have it on silent until the end of the test? Anyway, our listener, there's no name on that, our mammy is not happy and uh, feels that that's kind of, it's them covering is what she's saying by a text. But that's what she got back, that it was his boss was trying to ring him. I don't know why or what the boss wanted from him at the time, but that's the answer that our listener got back. 1850 on the washing of the hair and the brushing of the hair and all of that and children getting very, very upset. Some children get very upset. One listener, and I don't want to worry anyone with this, but one listener, it's worth pointing out, from Cork City, says, Trish, on the subject of hair brushing and children not liking it, uh, it is actually a a symptom of dyspraxia, which children who are diagnosed with dyspraxia have a problem with sensory issues. Now, there are other symptoms as well, but that is one of them. And any child that has any issues with sensory issues brushing of the hair can absolutely drive them uh, drive them into a frenzy nearly they get so upset by it so it is worth mentioning that and to the listener who doesn't like the whose little one doesn't want the hair brushed just gets into tears when the hair has been brushed somebody suggested a Sinead O'Connor hairdo it will solve both the child who doesn't like her hair being brushed and the child who doesn't like her hair being washed that's a bit of, of an extreme thing to do dare I say but thank you for your uh, text wind turbines that we've been talking about today Patricia, the Ballinagree Wind Farm will run right up to the Mulliganish to Mushroomore. The special protection area for hen harriers is in that area and it will decimate the hen harrier population in the Mushra Valley, which, by the way, successfully reared their young this year. Well, yeah, but wouldn't that come in under an environmental impact uh, statement and that? protected hen harrier will be mentioned and could stop wind turbines if you can prove that hen harrier live there and particularly if there's a big effort at the moment to re- to get them to populate that you know that might stop wind turbines going up in the area anyway that's from David who signs himself as a concerned resident of the Mushra uh, area and another listener who doesn't want their name mentioned which is fine and wind turbine says on a farm in Dreamer League you can see six separate sites of wind turbines 
I bet the owners don't live locally. But standing in just in standing on one farm, and if you look in different directions, six separate sites with wind turbines. So it isn't just that's down in West Cork. It isn't just a, a North Cork and Mid Cork problem. I think it's what, what people are trying to say. On the training grant being taken away for people with disabilities and the fact that people who are doing courses at the moment, they will maintain this training allowance of a little over 30 euros. But it's the new students coming in as in next week when they start their courses in September. Tim says there has always there has been enough debate on the two tier pay pay system that we have in the teaching profession. The newer, younger teachers get paid less than the older older teachers and that argument and debate has gone on since that was introduced and it always does seem unfair that teachers will turn up and they'll do the very same work they'll sit in the same staff room and have their lunches together and they'll start at the same time and they'll finish at the same time and yet one group of teachers just because they qualified before a certain year I think it was 2012 wasn't it they get paid more than the younger teachers who qualified after them. There could be a year in between them, you know, a student coming behind another student because the one qualified in the right year before these cuts came in. It does seem, it, and it seems almost, it must, must be a divide amongst teachers because of, even though I know teachers have been campaigning for quite some time for that pay restoration. Now it seems, says uh, Tim, it's going to come in in training for people with disabilities. These are people that have no unions and no one to speak up for them. Some participants will be at a loss for taking up the training. Yeah, and for the next... Well, I think when I asked Patrick Gerrard how long do the courses run, I think the longest he said is three years, even though not everybody does a three-year course. So yes, technically for the next two years you would have students side by side doing pretty much the same course just a year behind. One would be a year behind and one would be getting this training allowance and the other, and the other wouldn't, which always... always seems to make it unfair but then within two years nobody will be getting it and everyone will certainly be on if you want to call it a level playing pitch it seems like the wrong word and the wrong way of phrasing it doesn't it at this time round that's uh, for sure and just by the way on the learner learner drivers and wireless on the news I did mention this last Friday I gave this as a kind of a shout out last Friday uh, because learner drivers there's a kind of a push starting today and learner drivers are being urged to get their full licence now they're not talking about the young drivers who are just taking their lessons they're talking about the 41,316 people who were on their fourth or subsequent learner permit for a car there, and when you dig deeper into those figures 8,663 drivers are on the road on their 10th our successive learner permit and this new campaign was kicked off today launched by the Road Safety Authority and the Gardaí and it's to encourage learner drivers to book a driving test and it does seem really bizarre that somebody would be on a learner permit their 10th learner permit that's probably all of their adult well it is all of their adult driving has been done on a learner permit now there will be in the mix of that there will be people who have done the test 10 times and have failed but that's a very small proportion the bulk of those people are people who've probably never sat a driving test and what they do is they must apply for a driving test in order to get the next learner permit but what they do is there are no shows They just don't turn up. They don't sit the test, but it will entitle them to get another learner permit. Now, maybe within that, there is a way around it whereby 
the only way you can get your new learner permit or your next learner permit. You must sit your test. And if you fail, then you're entitled to another learner permit. But having this ludicrous anomaly whereby you just apply and don't show and that will entitle you to get another learner permit makes no sense to me, except there is money to be made out of that when you think about it, because to apply for the test, you're going to have to pay. And the people who are on these 10th and successive learner permits sort of say, well, I'll forgo the fee. I just would be too nervous. It's nerves. It's not that they're not good drivers. They just feel they would not be able to sit into a car and do a test. And they are the people we have to work on. And that's obviously what this campaign is all about. I know we've put a a shout out to the Road Safety Authority because I would be interested to see. I mean, other than, you know, us talking about it and doing radio ads and TV ads and there'll probably be billboards and they'll try and encourage people. There's got to be something else. We have to put in some kind of an incentive almost to get these people to take their test. There will be some who will remember back to the time when there was an amnesty. Remember that? Given out late 70s, I'm sure. There'll be people listening to this programme who got their driving licence that way. There was an amnesty because there were so many people waiting to do their driving test. The numbers just got out of became crazy that there was no way they could have coped with everybody physically sitting a driving test so what they did it was people who had a who were on a second or subsequent learner wasn't a learner permit it was a learning learner driving licence at the time they were entitled to swap their licence over for a full licence the theory was that they've been driving long enough they must be well able to drive so there was a lot of people a lot of people when it ran to thousands of people got their driving licence would never actually sit, sitting a, te- a test now there will be people who are on their 10th and successive learner permits believing that one day the government will do something similar and bring in another amnesty. I can tell you that that will never happen because there are now rules and I think it's an EU directive or an EU EU ruling. I'm sure it went to the EU. We will never be allowed to do that again. So can I I use that as a a carrot and stick and dangle that in front of somebody who's on a learner permit waiting for the day that the government brings that's an amnesty it's not going to happen and you will reduce your car insurance by a huge amount if you go and sit your test and if you've if you've been driving and you're on a tenth or more learner permit believe me you're well able to drive you are well able to drive if you've been doing that without getting into any kind of an accident you're just it's just the nerves you will do absolutely fine on the day of the test you'll have so much experience under your belt that you will have no problem at all. But as I say, we are going to try and get the RSA to join us. I don't know if we're going to be able to do it tomorrow, but certainly one day this week, just to talk to us a bit more about this campaign. And I just want to see if there is any, is there anything we can do to encourage the people that are on those learner permits for many, many years to get them onto their full licence because I want to see them saving money because they will, they've spent a huge sum of money on their car insurance and they certainly will reduce it if they get their full uh, licence. Marion Skibbereen, is it no wonder that we have so many learner drivers on the roads when our own local testing area has a 60% pass rate? That's in Skibbereen. We looked at that actually a while ago, the, the pass rates and uh, somewhere around the country. It's the, the Actually, Skibbereen did well. Skibbereen didn't come out as one of the worst. They had one of the... They did well. So... I, if you're critical of a 60% pass rate, Mary, there were other parts of the country where it was way lower than that. Skibreen was one of the higher ones. 
it came out at almost 50-50, half past, half fail. And is that down to nerves? I, I don't know. And a good deed. Did we have a good deed? This is Chris in Castletown Roach was travelling from Castletown Roach towards Ansgrove when I got a puncture. There was men working on the road putting down chips and they came over and changed my tyre, says Chris. So I want to say thank you to those men. I did offer the money, but they refused. So again, thank thank you. And that's from Chris. Well done, well done. Well done to those gentlemen tiring and chipping the road. I don't know what company they work for. Do they work for the council? Are they subcontracted out by another council? But if anybody knows them or if anybody is driving by the guys putting down the tar and chips on the road between Castletown Road and Ansgrove, would you toot your horn and say, well done. They were, they came to Chris in, in I don't know if Chris is male or female, I'm assuming female, in her hour of need and uh, changed the tyre because I'd have to put my hand up and say, I unfortunately can't change a tyre either, which is shameful. I should be well able to change a tyre, uh, but I'm not. I would be very grateful if somebody came, and it has happened in the past, that somebody has come and, and helped me change a, a tyre. I suppose it's something we should all to learn how to do. 1850 103 lines open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Irish Butchers Fusion Service. They've got a donor clinic in the Abbey Hotel in Ballyvorney and that is on this evening between 5pm and 8.30. A thank you to everyone who contributed to the Churchgate collections in Newmarket and Tower recently. That was in aid of the Irish Cancer Society. A total of €1,255 was uh, collected. Social dancing will be held in the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow this Thursday. Country DJ from half past eight with Eddie Lee on stage from 9.30pm until 12 midnight. Admission is €10. And a coffee day to raise funds for baby Kitty O'Leary, who is recovering from a liver transplant, oh bless her little heart, in King's Hospital in London, will be held this Saturday from 12 noon, well it's all day, from 12 noon until 10pm. It's in the Lane Bar in Ballinagree. And I'm told there would be great raffle prizes to be won. And St. Teresa's Place residents in Canturk, they're having their annual tea party on the green next Saturday from 10am to 1. All home baking will be gratefully appreciated. C103 and Cork Volunteer Centre presents the very first Cork Volunteer Awards, taking place Friday, October 11th. These awards aim to celebrate and recognise remarkable people throughout Cork who selflessly give their time and talent to benefit local communities. Visit volunteercork.ie now and shine a light on your volunteers by nominating them for an award. The Cork Volunteer Awards 2019 at the Kingsley Hotel with Cork Volunteer Centre, Cork Independent and Cork's Greatest Hits, C103. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And we spoke about antisocial behaviour earlier on in the village of Killa in the playground and I did say that uh, it is, this isn't something that's just happening in Killers. Unfortunately, we have this antisocial behaviour going on uh, all over the place. Somebody has been on to say that part of the playground in Ballancolic was on fire last night. And the Gardaí are looking into the playground, which was damaged. Um, and it was damaged before. It's located at Inishmore in Ballancolic, so it's not a first time. Isn't that just, you know, for the little ones, their last few days and their summer holiday. And, you know, today is a nice day out there and... You, families wanted to take their children to the park and, and they go down there and the playground destroyed because somebody's 
set it on fire. Why? You know, what's the point? The sen- it's a senseless, it just drives me nuts. Um, driving test. Joan in McCroom says her granddaughter was only two and a half weeks waiting for her driving test. And that's due to so many people who apply for the test and then cancel it and don't uh, show up. The, the, it is one of the reasons for the delays in getting a text according to the texter thankfully she passed I take it she went on a list looking for you can get on a list for an emergency test and they'll you know as people cancel out they'll take them um, and I'm assuming that's what she did so well done Joan that she was only two, great that she was only two and a half weeks waiting but more importantly that she passed the test that is the important uh, thing and just a clarification um, a previous text I read out the, and this is on the wind turbines the wind turbines are not planned for the designated land for the hand harriers but they are planned right next to it the special protection area does not cover all of uh, Mushra. Yeah, but the hen harriers aren't going to know, sure they're not, that this is the protected area. So if you stay there, you'll be okay. But if you move over there, you might get your wings clipped by a wind turbine. So I, I can see why people will be worried that that could decimate the hen harrier population, particularly when they've successfully reared their young this year because of that special area of designation for the hen harrier. Back to the show, the country show in Fermoy yesterday. People are fulsome in their praise of this show. Sean in Kilworth says, pretty great show in Fermoy yesterday. I would have to give praise to the stewards on duty and the help they gave were second to none, especially for people with disabilities. And a lot of the stewards were young lads and girls. Take a bow. There's a lot of good young people out there, which is great. Credit where credit is uh, due. Thank you for that, Sean. And Christy says, Patricia, a couple of months ago, there was an embargo was put on home help hours until the end of the year. Now, on your programme this morning, we're hearing about cuts to disability allowance. They seem to have money at the top of a hat for any of their pet projects, but cuts to where funds are most needed. They were able to announce funding for the Ryder Cup in 2025, six years down the road. What does all this say about our government? Says uh, Christy, listening to us in Temple uh, Glantine. And actually on home on home helps, it's again, it's a topic we're going to go back to again this week. I was reading on the papers over the weekend there was a report saying that some people who are applying for home helps are told you'll have to wait for somebody to die. Now I don't know and I'm hoping to God that it's not in our area here anywhere across Cork City and County but some parts of the country that it's they're so strapped for home helps for the funding and for the actual physical people themselves to do the work that that's what people are being told can you imagine that you ring up on behalf of an elderly person who it's been assessed needs home help hours and you're trying to get them to be told well we've got to wait for somebody to die and when somebody dies we'll, we'll give you the you can get the home help hours then God that really is that's just shocking shocking 1850 we're going to take a break we're back with Annalise Drissel our nutritional therapist if you have a nutritional question can you get it into us please you can call John Paul you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Martina O'Donoghue Make C103 part of your drive home with up-to-date traffic information and local news your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours Join me, Martina O'Donoghue every weekday from 4 to 7 C103 This is the Cork Today replay on C103
And Annalise Dressel from the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic uh, joining us on what is a lovely bright sunny afternoon. Long may it last. Good afternoon to you Annalise. Good afternoon Patricia. A little bit of sunshine. You, you can't beat it. And we all need the sunshine don't we for our vitamin D. Yeah, I think there was a bit of a hullabaloo a couple of weeks ago when a doctor up in Donegal was saying that and said one of the main reasons that he feels people in Donegal have so much osteoporosis is because of the lack of vitamin D. Yeah. Um, so there was a big, of course, debate then about whether or not we should be sunbathing. But we do need the sun, but it's not as much as people think. About 15 minutes on the bare arms per day of sunshine is enough. But if you think about the sun here in Ireland, Patricia, we don't ever get that much kind of direct sunshine in a day. So I definitely, I think I always say clock change to clock change, take your vitamin D, because when we don't have the sun, we need the vitamin D. And actually a listener has been on Breathe In Mallow uh, uh, has recently started taking tablets for vitamin V deficiency. Uh, 4,000 IU tablets, does that make sense? Are you tablets? Yeah, so I was put on them recently. Units. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was put on them recently for vitamin V D deficiency. What does Annalise think of those tablets? Thanking you, breathe in mallow. Yep, absolutely. Now it's a high strength uh, vitamin D, so her levels must have been quite low. When you get your vitamin D levels measured, and your doctor can do it from your blood, um, it it comes back as you know uh, uh, um, insufficient, moderate, optimal, or too much. So ideally, you're in the optimal scale. Now, it's possible for the doctor to do it as part of a routine blood test, but it's actually quite an expensive one to do. So they're reluctant to do it unless you ask. And if you wanted to have it done, the best time to do it really would be, I think probably coming up, if we say that the end of the sun is gone by September, we'd still have a couple of months of vitamin D stores in us. So I think probably by December, January, if you've got your vitamin D levels checked then, that's probably the lowest that they will get throughout the year. Mm. They'll probably be, remain low then throughout January, February, March and April. So that would be a very good gauge as to how much vitamin D you should take because you'll know where you come, whether you're below um, deficient or, you know, just adequate or optimal. So that's definitely worth doing. Um, but if you just didn't want to get the test done, I think a 1,000 IUs is plenty to take as a daily sub, um, a supplement because that's still quite strong. But it's not too strong. And I'm always wary about giving people um, very high doses of non-water-soluble vitamins, Patricia, because we'll always find out in years down the road that it wasn't a healthy thing to be doing. So I think a 1,000 IUs is more than enough for most adults and 400 IUs for kids and do it from clock change to clock change. And that will keep your immune system boosted and your bones healthy throughout the winter. Okay, question for Annalise, please. Is beta glucan good for an overactive immune system in terms of helping to regulate its response to normality? Yes, they can be. Now, beta glucans are interesting, Patricia, and they're getting a lot of attention um, in recent years for supporting the immune system. They seem to have um, a, a way of, I suppose, model, modulating the immune system so that it's very effective at fighting viruses and bacteria but it's not so overactive that it, it causes autoimmune conditions. But the Chinese have known about the benefits of beta-glucans for years because Chinese mushrooms have been a big part of their medical um, supplements for over 3,000 years. Um, they're absolutely wonderful, and people are always amazed when I recommend that they take a mushroom supplement. They are always amazed how good they feel on it because the beta-glucans are also brilliant for your gut. They uh, Mushrooms, if they come in mushroom powder form, they're wonderful for healing any kind of damaged guts. 
they're brilliant to kind of strengthen your overall kind of, I suppose, vitality and, and, and power. So a lot of sports people can take mushroom supplements. And I'd advise people to take beta-glucans in the form of um, powdered mushroom. The lion's mane is a wonderful one. Make sure that you get an organic one because mushrooms are amazing detoxifiers, which is why they should always be planted in areas where the land has been poisoned. They can take the poison up out from the, the earth and uh, metabolize it and get rid of it. But if you eat those mushrooms that are grown on bad soil, they will have the toxins in them. So if the soil has been sprayed with glycophosphate, mushrooms can become concentrated. So make sure you go for the organic version. And they're very they're very available now. Years ago, they weren't. I'm a big fan of them. I always use them for autoimmune disorder or for very low immune systems where people are getting recurrent infections, and they always give good results. Actually, it's interesting when you mentioned the mushrooms. It was one of the things when I travelled uh, to Belarus uh, years ago and when we were down in, by the exclusion zone by Chernobyl, we were told of all of the foods, steer well clear of the mushrooms because obviously they were coming up through the soil absolutely. with all, the, with all the, the radioactivity. Absolutely. But they're a wonderful thing to plant, Patricia, if yeah. you expect that the land has been... And you know, the, we, we have such a problem now with Japanese knotwood and you can only really use strong poison on that. I think that it should be part of the plan always that mushrooms are planted afterwards because those glycophosphates, only 50% of the glycophosphate is gone after 100 years. Yeah. So those toxins stay in the soil for a long time. Okay, question for Annelies. This actually came in during the week to make sure that we'd get it, we'd get it in. Uh, my mother has been diagnosed with with chronic uh, uticaria. She takes antihistamines to control it, but not much success. She's also on a statin and has an underactive th- and is on underactive thyroid medication. Is there anything else she can take? Now, I had to Google uticaria. I didn't know what it was. It's, a t- it's hives. Yes, absolutely. So it's a kind of an, a histamine reaction. Um, and some people, like, it's very hard to pin it down, Patricia, because Histamine is often released um, as part of an allergic or hypersensitivity reaction. And it's the natural, I suppose, antihistamines would be things like high doses of vitamin C, quercetin, nettle. Stinging nettle, actually, which actually gives you a rash, is also very good as an antihistamine um, and works very well for people with urticaria. So they would be all the natural um, remedies that you could try from the health store. Uh, Grindella is another one as well. Actually, Dr. Dealish Clare does an allergy blend. That's a blend of lots of different natural antihistamines and that works very, very well for urticaria. And she also has an anti-itching cream that's very soothing when the hives come up. But the interesting thing about um, urticaria and um, other rashes, unexplained rashes that come up, is that there's a big link with the gut. And the reason is, is that there's a certain amount of bacteria in the gut that will produce histamine. Now, your body can tolerate a certain amount of histamine. In fact, we need histamine um, in our bodies to do various different jobs around our bodies. But if the bacteria in the gut are producing amount of histamine, your threshold then for histamine that comes in food is very low because you already have a high amount of it in your body from your gut bacteria. So it takes very little then to push you over the edge. So foods that might be high in histamine are things like aged cheeses, vinegars, um, anything that has kind of been aged, histamines can build up in that. Um, And then if you eat those, that could push you over the edge and cause the urticaria. So it's always good to work on the gut as well. So a good probiotic or a prebiotic that feeds the good bacteria, um, the mushrooms that I spoke about earlier, their lion's mane, um, is wonderful for gut healing. 
So it's, it's quite complicated when it's unexplained and antihistamines don't do the job, but there is relief. So get the gut sorted as well. OK, Shannon in Mallow says, hi, could you ask Annalise, please, about uh, anti Tryptoline for migraines, 10 milligram working up to 20 milligrams. Yeah, so amitriptyline would often be used actually um, for migraines and can be very, very successful. Um, it is also used as an antidepressant and the idea would be that, um, you know, it, it, it plays in with the neurotransmitters and serotonin um, and that there's a link with, you know, with over serotonin and migraines. Migraines are a complicated one and they can be very debilitating. You know, some people spend up to two days a week in bed, Patricia, with migraines. Oh my so goodness. Severe. Yeah. So the big things are to try and um, figure out triggers. That's one. And, you know, the, again, the histamine foods we spoke about there actually are often triggers. Um, chocolate can be a big trigger. Cheese can be a big trigger. Caffeine. Stress is a big trigger for some people. Um, some people find that taking riboflavin in a high dose as a preventative can cut down on the amount of migraines by up to 75 to 80%. So you need about 400 milligrams of riboflavin. It's one of the B vitamins, it's vitamin B2, and it's it's water-soluble, so you can't overdose, don't worry in it. So taking 400 milligrams of that every day as a preventative is a great natural remedy for migraines. Magnesium can also help because magnesium is wonderful to sort of relax out the blood vessels and the muscles around the head so if your migraines are tension or stress related magnesium is a good one but I always like to think that people would take magnesium at night because it can can interfere in high doses with calcium absorption so uh, we actually do need it also with calcium for our bones but in high doses it can prevent you from absorbing calcium so by taking it at night you're minimising the chances of interfering with calcium absorption and some people find they get a wonderful sleep after it as well Okay, give that a try. Actually, talking on on sleep, somebody was on earlier. John in Mallow says, um, "Hi, Trish, I'm having problems, trouble sleeping. What would Annalise recommend?" Yeah, so uh, like it's very common, and you know, I think it's a lot to do with people's stressful lives, and you're getting into bed and you haven't really wound down. Um, and I know, also can I say we've had very mild. I know we haven't had a great summer, but the nights have been quite muggy and mild. They have exactly. And we're not we've not, we're not catered for that either. So no. we still have heavy duvets and no air conditioning, and even with windows open, it's been very muggy. Um, I always feel very sorry for pregnant women um, in this kind of weather. So do I. Absolutely, <laughs> hot. it's the worst <laughs> feeling. But um, yeah, so I mean, there's a couple of there's, there's a couple of tips and hints, Patricia, to get a good night's sleep. And one of them really is to shut the brain down before you go to bed, and that means no. Uh, um, screens. So stay away from computers, try and, you know, stop watching TV, listening to podcasts, being on your phone, um, and maybe go and have a nice bath or read a book, get into bed and read a book for half an hour. And that actually often slows the body and the brain down. Some people find magnesium is very good to help them sleep, but there are a few other things that are wonderful just to kind of stop that busy brain. Valerian is a, is a great herb for that. Um, and you'll find valerian in different types of um, supplements in health stores mostly related to sleep the Dr. Delish Claire Relax Blend can be very good as well just to help you relax um, and the the busy brain to relax and get into a nice calm state to drift off the sleep so Valerian Melissa is another one we also call that herb Lemon Balm and um, the Dr. Vogel they do a Valerian mixed with hops and hops definitely make people sleepy as well 
So any of those remedies can be good to take before you get into bed um, to try and help that busy brain calm and sleep. But other things then in terms of your bedroom, don't have any electrical devices or, or LED lights in there. Switch all of those off. They can be very disruptive to the brain. Um, and sometimes just a bit of exercise as well and avoiding caffeine. That's another two two tips to get the body tired enough for sleep. Okay, Mary says, Annalise often speaks of the benefits of taking turmeric. I'd take one-eighth of a teaspoon with cinnamon powder in water every day. Is that enough or should I be taking the supplement form as well? I think, you see, that's a very difficult question to answer because very few people who live in the countries where they have turmeric would take it in high amounts. Um, So, like, India would be one of the countries now where they use it in in nearly all of their cooking. And I can't imagine there would be more than an eighth of a teaspoon in the food that you eat throughout the day. So I think probably as as a maintenance and just a kind of an insurance policy against ill health and as a natural healthy anti-inflammatory, that would be sufficient. But if if you've got a very inflammatory condition like arthritis or if you've an autoimmune disorder or if there's a history of cancer in the family, because as an anti-inflammatory, it's a great anti-cancer agent, or if there's a history of Alzheimer's, you might want to take it in supplement form in those cases. Um, A lot of the time, you won't even notice the benefit, Patricia, if you're taking it as an insurance policy, because it's not one of those that makes you feel any better unless you're taking it for a particular reason. But lots of customers take the supplement form for arthritis, and they get a great benefit. And then, of course, it's keeping all of the other systems in your body healthy as well. But one word of warning is that if you're on a blood thinner, it's not suitable because it also thins the blood. Okay, hi, this is from Kate. Uh, could you ask Annalise, please, is it safe to use CBD oil while taking steroids? Uh, low dose, two milligrams a day. Yeah, they don't They don't um, get in each other's way at all. So absolutely. Um, a lot of people, again, are using cannabis oil as an anti-inflammatory. Um, it seems to also have an immediate effect on pain. So it does bind onto the opioid receptors, the same ones that we would use, um, you know, the Neurofen, the old Neurofen Plus for, that have the codeine in there. So it can work as an immediate painkiller for arthritis-type symptoms. And I'm seeing amazing results in the shop, Patricia, with some of my customers. Like I have a couple of Parkinson's customers that say, you know, that their their speech has improved, they're able to write properly, um, able to get back driving. Um, a lot of carers are giving it to their Alzheimer's patients. I don't think it's doing much in terms of reversing Alzheimer's, but it's just very calming for people. A lot of people with anxiety taking it as well, and a lot of people taking it for arthritis. So um, it seems to be a low enough dose that that person is taking. So it's very hard to know what you need for your benefits. So I think you need to play around with it when you're not taking any other medication. Um, to see how much you need to actually get the benefit of it for yourself. Okay, we'll leave it there, Annalise, and we'll chat again next week. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks for that, and have a lovely week. That is Annalise Drissel of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballincollig. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick with you for the afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. Get weekly news, event updates, and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 